David Ross, the manager of the Chicago Cubs, joins us now on the Score Hotline, brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Fun times, David. You got a little bit of extra help and a vote of confidence from the front office into what you're, what you have been doing, and what is to come. So it's it's exciting. Congrats on this run. Yeah, thanks. I mean, uh, the guys uh, really never wavered. To be honest, the the character of the group we've talked a lot about this year, and um, you know the ups and downs of a season, and these guys knowing backs against the wall, so to speak, and playing really well uh, in a nice stretch coming out of the break. And uh, yeah, it's nice to be adding. Rossi, you've been backing the guys for a while, saying that this is what you wanted. You want to see this team be given an opportunity to try to go out there and show what they got. What does it mean to you that they backed you with their play? Uh, I mean, look, like uh, the manager, you're judged by wins and losses. And so, you know, these guys, we have good relationships. I, I, I love every man in that room. You know, you, you start off on a journey in February and the things you say in the, in the, in those meetings and the things that you commit to when you sign up to play a big league season and the ups and downs that you're going to go through, these guys are professionals, they're winners and um, they're all in their, their work ethic, their fo- focus, their concentrations, and it really, really never wavered. And, um, they stay positive in the midst of turmoil and things can go wrong. And these guys, you know, kind of picked themselves up and did a nice job of, of playing really good baseball and finding ways to win uh, in a critical time of the season. That's a, that's, that's a character. That's, that's, uh, I've talked a lot about that with this group. There, there's a high character group in there, also talented, obviously. But um, those things stand out and are, are, are cool to see, cool to be a part of. Tough start to a key series last night. Marcus Stroman continued his struggles, and I think you mentioned something in the post game about the the consistency in his delivery or, or something. Sinking his something therein. It's the the stuff isn't there. It just isn't. It, it, what 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 is snapping should be rolling. And uh, do you see a fix? Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, is there a if we would have had a quick fix? There would be uh, we would just just put that in, in in place and and he wouldn't have had the outing he had I think like all those things just just like timing when you're a hitter and things are you get off track and and guys go go through ups and downs pitchers go through the same and um, he's a guy that's carried us early in the season and put us on his back and an all star and pitched to a really high level and he's going through a little bit of uh, just syncing some things up with his delivery and, and that's going to take work it's going to take um, getting his body right and making sure everything. Uh, is synced up and is also confidence based. You get out there and have you know the first inning yesterday when he was synced up was was as good as I've seen him. He he looked like he was back on track in that first, and then uh, Votto hits that ball to middle. He gets in the stretch and things kind of fell apart. So um, he's working on it. Uh, it's just going to take consistent work. He's a hard worker, and uh, we're going to continue to push forward. We got a lot of games left, a lot of a lot of games left to go, and he's going to be a big part of our success. Rossi, can you explain it to me like a five-year-old about what you mean when you say syncing up his delivery? Um, yeah, I like when when you, the the leg lift, just just everything. I mean, not to get too too technical, but um, when when the hands break and the arms at ideal release, and and um, your body mechanics are are flowing uh, towards your target, and you're not flying open with your front shoulder, and when you fly open with your front shoulder. Uh, the hand gets on the side of the ball, and you get more run than sink, or the slider gets a more, little more sweepy than bite. Um, to Dan's point, you know things, 
like that happen. Uh, and he has a, a rhythm of just where everything is kind of synced up. And he, he's getting off his backside maybe a little bit too soon. Some of the things they've identified, he's working all that, working on all those things. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't have the exact answer, but it, it it, it's just like hitting. Things have to be connected. Uh, one one little thing gets off, and it throws off some other things, and then the ball doesn't do what it what it's supposed to. So um, I don't know if that's a good explanation or not, but that's what I got. No, that that's exactly what we were looking for because you know, we want to be able to kind of see it when we're watching and try to see the game through your eyes if we can. Yeah, I think I think I think to to what you know Dan was saying, like it, it's just a little bit more rolling than bite, right? Like it's. Like the, the the ball is a little more, the execution's not quite there. It's a little more middle than on the edges. Um, when you're getting off the barrel and syncing some things up, um, you get the rollovers rather than the line drives, or uh, the balls are are off the the handle and you got the late movement. Um, you know, Javier Assad didn't start off great this season, right? And kind of went through some ups and downs, and he's found that rhythm. The cutter's nasty. The two seamers running all over the place. He's got the change up and the breaking ball. He's able to get back in the zone when he wants with real um, life to the pitches. Those are just things that kind of go for everybody, and Stroh's just not at locked in right now. Does it bother you at all that Stroman wasn't available for reporters after the game yesterday? Uh, I know he. I know why he had to get out of there, so no. Okay. Because I, I know that I, I will say this about Jamison Tyone that a, after some of his worst outings, he it, it always impressed me that he was always there answering every last question and every last difficult question yeah. during the most difficult times for him. That that really that that speaks volumes for me about his professionalism. No doubt, I, I'm, I'm I don't disagree with that, Dan. I think like what I would say is, um, as professional baseball players, good or bad, um, we all manager as well. We all are. are obligated to stand there and answer questions for the media who have a job to do so um is that important do players know that does marcus know that absolutely he comes from uh, a lot of big market teams has been big market before and understands uh, the obligation for the media uh he, i'm sure he'll be able to explain himself today uh he'll be at his locker today and they'll be able to grab him but i definitely understand where you're coming from um yeah yeah we all know that rossi say has been struggling a little bit what went into batting him second, and now with with Candelario, can you mix and match the lineup and make changes with it? Well, what I, I bat him second because I feel like that's the best guy, um, uh, one of our better hitters versus left-handed pitching. Uh, he's been that and uh, how the lineup flows. Um, outside of that, is he struggling? Yes. Uh, he, he's not timed up, synced up. Um, like we, I, I think I was on your show not too long ago talking these same topics and saying, you know, you can't just drop somebody tonight because they're struggling. We've got to continue to rely on guys, and they're working on things and figuring out. He hit one of the hardest balls hit yesterday to right center that, that would have scored two runs. He got a sack fly in, but um, let's not forget about that, that, that at bat that was a really good quality at bat. It just didn't have the results that, that are going to be down on paper. Um, he's working. Candy does give us another bat option, and I will be able to play with the lineup, yes. So now that you've got a regular third baseman penciled in, what are you and Jed, who the brain trust, looking at as your, your optimized win-now lineup, particularly in how it relates to Morell? Uh, Morell be in the lineup consistently. Where? <laughs> 
uh, wherever I decide to put him. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, is, is he your DH? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, let's see. That's where he's been, right? Yeah. Where, just... where, 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 yeah. Okay. Why would I change things? That we just went, we just went, what eight in a row win, and he DH all but one game, right? Like, right. You guys thought I was going to change that up? No, we we just were just curious uh, on what what offered you, what options it offered you, and I know that he's even talked about it. You've talked about it. How for a young guy like that, it's hard, like to just DH, like for a guy that's still trying to figure stuff out. It's difficult. So what do you do to support him with even for veteran guys? It's hard to be like a, a quasi full-time DH. How do you go about working with him to, to make him as comfortable as possible? Yeah, that was a topic. I think early on, that was like Anaheim, right? That was probably like what a month or two ago. We were trying having that conversation. Uh, and we talked, he talked to Mike Napoli about some of the routine in the DH. I thought he's done a phenomenal job. I hadn't, I probably should check the numbers, but um, Dan, you're you're good at numbers. Why don't you look up what he's what he's been hitting okay. at DH and see what that see see what he see what that spits out. I thought he's done a really nice job at DH. Uh, he played left field the other day with giving Happer a day off, uh, made some nice plays. Um, but you know, just just we, we, it's also a uh, Morel's young. He's learning. He's you know, do you want to stick him somewhere permanently and let him figure it out? We're not in that position right now. Defensively is. Is a really defense is really important to our game, pitching and defense to our team, our team identity, and what we brought. Um, and right now, he's probably not the strongest defender that we have in certain positions. So we're going to continue to work with that. He works his tail off, uh, and he'll give some guys days off, but mainly he'll be at DH. In 23 games as DH, Christopher Morrell is batting 313 on base 360, slugging 588. That works. And, Let's go. And, and that adds, Let's go. adds up. Maybe that is his best position. That, how, however, however, wait. That's it, what I'm talking about. Uh, Why would I move him? It is rakes. He's dominant. Because it's not his best position. Because in 11 games as a center fielder, He's slashing 333, 415, 750 for an OPS of 1.165. Well, okay. All right. Now let's look at his defensive metrics. Who's a better center fielder, Christopher Morrell or Cody Bellinger? Bellinger. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm not not an idiot. We got to play defense. (laughs) There's more. Hey, there's base running and defense. Hey, there's more more aspects of the game than hitting, Dan. Come on. You know that. I do. And and especially because what's what's fascinating is if you say Morrell's best position, which I believe is second base, and I'm not looking at defensive metrics here. That's just my my thinking. That's his that's his worst offensive position by a mile. Right. By a right. mile. And I don't know I don't know if there's any rhyme or reason. It's probably just noise. It's probably just variance. But that, that's small pretty, sample. Yeah. Small sample. Yeah. That's what my R and D guys would tell me. Small sample size. That's what I would think. I mean, that's where the Dan <laughs> would fit into the organization too. Uh Rossi, speaking I love it. speaking of like defense, I was thinking about this last night while he was on base because Jan Gomes offensively has been incredible for you guys. But I know that the part of what went into signing him is because of how good he is with the pitching staff, controlling a game, controlling a run game. So what is it that you can see that maybe we can't, someone who's a professional catcher, on why Jan Gomes is so important? Because, look, the, the, the standard is Yadier Molina. But I was thinking about it. Like, there have been so many teams that have brought in Jan Gomes specifically because of what it is that he does behind the plate. So what is it that he does behind the plate? 
Uh, I think Jan's strength, Jan's breaking right now, by the way, and, and you know, they've gotten really big hits, been a big part of our, our win streak and, and a lot of the success we've had as of late. Um, I think he handle. he's been in moments and read swings really well. I think he gets um, the most out of pitchers and understands what pitches to throw and what count, even, even, um, and, and even in, in moments where, uh, you think like you should just challenge somebody. He, he just knows the strength of the pitcher and knows how to get the most out of them. Um, I think he does a really good job of, you know, when you're when you're a catcher and the game is tight, you're you're managing the game, you're managing the lineup. Uh, what is the strength and weaknesses of the hitters coming up and your pitcher, and where do you feel like those bad matchups might be? Those are little little details that um, there's a feel aspect of the game, and he has great feel behind the plate. So Burleson hits the ball towards center field. Everybody walks up a step in the dugout. We Ian just walked us through his perspective on when this happened. The ball is headed to center field. It's carrying. Talkman is heading back. Take us through what you're thinking as it's all happening. Uh, off the bat, I thought it was. I thought it was uh, an out. I mean, there was a lot of us uh, in the dugout. I think some guys had different perspectives. I think some of the guys on the field. Um, I think Mancini or somebody had hit one earlier in the game and I, that I thought was a um, you know a pretty casual fly ball that went to the track. And it was like, hmm, ball's carrying a little bit more today. You look at the flags, they're blown out a little bit. But the ball never – it's not like Wrigley. The ball's never really carried um, at Bush Stadium in, in that way. And so he hit it, and it felt like an it felt like a pop up. And uh, you're watching you're watching Talkman kind of drift back, drift back, and he gets to the wall. And I'm like, no, he's catching it. He's catching this right at the wall. And then he leaps, and you see his glove disappear. And I was able to see when he pulled it back, I could just see the white of the ball in his glove. So I was able to celebrate, and the dugout erupted. My bench coach next to me, who I usually, after a win, uh, we shake hands first. Uh, he His eyesight's not so good, so he had to wait a little bit for the replay and everybody else's reaction. Uh, so I got to see him act like a little kid and, and go crazy. And um, it was a fun moment in the dugout. Where really, I don't – I I'm – I don't think I've been a part of in a really long time um, really, really cool baseball moments that get me up out of my seat or, or make it, you know, that. Like, I don't think I've ever experienced a game-saving, like, home, you know, home run robbery like that where, the like, if he catches it, we win. If it goes out, we lose. And I don't know, just, like, I felt like a kid for a minute. It was It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a cool moment. It's cool to see everybody's reaction. Uh, we had a dad's trip uh, this this series where a bunch of guys brought his brought their dads. The dads uh, were in the locker room, and so like walking in, the energy, the dads high fiving all the players. Talking to dad was in there, like just really really cool moment um, as a team. And obviously for for Mikey, uh, it, it was a, a really special special moment. You know, Rossi, I'm I'm not good at math, but um, going back a couple of weeks, I'm I, not either. No, you're terrible I'm at terrible it. At um, but you are good at looking stuff up. <laughs> That's I, what he was but saying. But I'm bad at math. Yeah, but yeah. almost everyone is. Anyway, I just want to say, like, if we go back a couple of weeks where Rossi was in studio, um, and then look at what's happened with the Cubs over that span of time. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to draw a little correlation that perhaps it, it may have had something to do with the in-studio interview. So here's my thing, Rossi. Should Layla and I 
should we start, you know, sending ring sizes over to the Cubs? You know, just in case, just in case, like, we, you know, so we can be on the list. Maybe maybe we just get a championship watch. But but I figured we'd just send, send you the ring sizes since we are clearly the catalyst for why the Cubs are doing better. Clearly, clearly the reason. Um, I, it's so clear. And I think the absence of Dan in that show yeah. probably had a little more luck to, to be with it. You know, like, you know, mm-hmm. he, he he came in late. Maybe a little way. If he would have never walked in the studio, maybe we'd be on, like, 13 or 14 by now. But, yeah, the cooler showed point. up. Yeah, I, I may not be good at math, but I, I was pretty good at logic, and I know the difference between correlation right. and causality. All right, that's enough from you, uh-huh. Duke. That's enough. <laughs> Rossi, we appreciate it. Good luck tonight. Oh, always enjoy. You'll have a great day. Thanks.